This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. What up, and welcome to yet another episode of Pint Tar for Breakfast. I'm your host, Kevin Franzen, the third wheel of the Phillies radio broadcast team. Coming here from Milwaukee, Milwaukee, however you want to just say it. If you're a Wayne's World fan, you know what I'm talking about. Anyway, uh, had a good opportunity, so I took it. I saw it, so I took it. Vince Velasquez being in the bullpen right now at this moment is a huge thing for the Phillies, I do believe. But there's also a Philly in the last few years, well, it's not last few years, but years ago that made the same move in a year of being a starter, goes to the pen, has so much success because they needed it, and that's all she wrote. So I decided to... Ask a former Philly, a longtime Philly, a fun individual, one that is now taking his career to different levels of competition, and that comes to the singing and artistry world. All right, I'm being joined right now by World Series champion, 12-year big leaguer, but more importantly, eight-year Philly, Brett Myers. Brett, what's up, dude? Kevin Franson, oh my God, I'm so happy to talk to you, former big league ball player. You the man, son. You know people that I know. And and some of the people that we know together are some of the finest human beings. And I and we could go on and on about that, but I don't know if people want to know about our, our like our kindred spirits Club, around Clubhouse each other. Experiences when I why I got chills right now because we know the same people. Yeah. <laughs> well, I see, okay, so I, I found it to be the perfect person this week, someone that was a starter his entire life, knew only what to do, which was pitch and, and you know, be forced to be taken out. And then have a little – you would call it a glitch, right? I mean, the whole thing being moved to the pen one year, but well, it might have want, taught you, you something. Can I tell you the story about that? Yeah, I would love it. All right, here's what happened. So in 2006 – Pat Gillick comes to my house, and we're sitting there talking about a long-term deal. Actually, uh, I think it was 2006 or whatever. Comes talking about we're, you know, we're talking about like you know taking up my arbitration years or whatever like that. And then finally, he sits there and I said, "Mr. Gillick, because I have respect for my elders and stuff like that." And he goes, "Please call me Pat because Pat was one of the nicest, coolest dudes ever, man. Yep. What it was awesome." No doubt. And and just unbelievable, man. I, I have so much respect for that guy. And uh, one of the things that he, that he actually said, and, and uh, he was telling me, he's like, this is what we want to do and blah, blah, blah. 
And I, and I said, Pat, I'm going to do whatever it takes to win a championship. He, and he was telling me about how many starters they had coming in, whatever like that. And I said, you know what? I'm even willing to go into bullpen just to, just to make this thing happen. <laughs> okay, in, 2000, in 2006. And next thing you know, I throw two or three starts, and he goes, you're going to bullpen because Flash got – Flash was still healthy at the time. Tom Gordon was healthy at the time. And I was 100% ready to go because I, I'm, I'm a team guy, 100% yep. team guy. And I'm going to do whatever it takes to make this team right. And I actually, my mentality was a closer from the get-go because I wanted to play every single day. I could not stand waiting four days after I got my butt kicked. Yeah, you know, you know, on the field. You know, I, I wanted to, I wanted to redeem myself every day. I wanted to play. I wanted to do something to contribute to the team. That's the way I was raised. Mm-hmm. And and you know, half uh, three four starts into the season, they go, "Well, we're going to make the switch." And I said, "I'm down. Let's do it." I said, "I'm ready." And my velocity kicked up. Um, my mentality was perfect already for that situation. So a lot of things come down to this. Do do the guys have that right mentality to Mm -hmm. pitch out of the bullpen as a starter? You got four, like Cole Hamels taught me a lot, a lot of stuff, how to, how to pitch, um, as a starter when I came back and stuff like that. He was really calm, cool, collected, but loved that about him. My mentality was my hair's on fire. Yeah. Let's play baseball. You know, so I felt like I felt I felt like I fit great in the bullpen. Perfectly in the bullpen because I was ready to go every single day. And that and that that one thing right there made me feel alive. I guess you would say. Yeah. It made me feel alive. And yeah. and I and I love the fact because I mean I was at the time I'm throwing you know, as a starter, I'm throwing 92, 93, and all of a sudden out of bullpen, I'm throwing 95 to 98 miles an hour, and I'm going, yeah, hit this stuff, buddy. Let's go. You know, yeah, let's go. And and I put the hottest stuff you could ever find <laughs> on your arm. And you I went sat cheese. Out there, you, oh, my God. Did you I go the medical there, cheese? Man, I sat out there for five innings sweating my my butt off and, and, and anything that could make me mad. Because I heard this whole old story. About Roger Clemens taking some hot stuff and putting it underneath his, yeah, whatever. Yeah. You know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I said, his well, two I'm baseballs, gonna, you know? Yes. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And I said, I'm going to do that. I said, that's where I want to be. So that's kind of the way I took that thing when I went out to the bullpen. And I was so pumped up when I came into those games and everything like that, that, that all I wanted to do was just compete and just be that dude to, that people respected. You know, yeah, and so so with, with 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 the question that you were asking with Velasquez and all that stuff, yeah, it takes the right personality. If if Vince or Paveda has that, you know, personality, yep, to be in a bullpen and compete, then I'm all for it. Yeah, but if they don't, if they're like that kind of relaxed guy, like Cole Hamels was, and he wants to be a starter, yeah then you have to kind of try to feel that out. And I think that's honestly what I've been watching the Phillies all year and stuff like that. And I honestly think that if, if I don't know these guys very well, but I really think that if, if they, if they think, if they think Vince and Paveda has that, has that mentality, then I think go for it. Yeah. 
It could well, be a career changer. No doubt. Well, it could be a career saver more yeah, than anything. 100%. 100%. Because the b- difference between you and them, truly, are that you've proven yourself at the big league level at this time as a starter. Like, you proved to everyone that you were a big league starter. Well, I appreciate you being nice there, but, well, yeah. No, okay, so you're 14-9, and 11-11, 13-8, 12-7, and then that year is where you went 5-7, and seven, but that's not the point. You proved. You had won games. You punched a lot of tickets, but you were consistently going out there every start, 32 starts, 32 starts, 34 starts, 31 starts. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I think I that, that says a lot I, more. I was durable, and, and that was something about that, that – uh, with the Phillies organization, I was durable because of that training staff hmm. because they showed me the right way and the right path from when I got drafted in 99. And they, they showed me how to maintain yeah. and stay healthy. So the training staff with Jeff Cooper, Mark Anderson, and those guys that were there when I was there that like, they showed me exactly what I needed to do to maintain and be able to make those starts. Yeah. And I took that to heart yeah. because, first off, it takes a lot for a guy to like somebody. You know, and, <laughs> you know, you know what I'm saying. Like, I know exactly what you're saying. For, and, and respect somebody and trust somebody. Yep, the trust and, factor for sure with and, the training. And I'm gonna and I'm gonna explain something to you that these dudes took care of me. They trusted me, and they and and I trusted them. They they found a way to get inside my heart, which is it sounds sounds crazy, but they found a way to get in my heart to trust them, and I still love them to this day just because they had my back. That's awesome. And once you understand that with these guys, and in the same way with the Phillies organization, they had my back with Dave Montgomery, God rest his soul, mm. and, and, and the people and the people that in this organization, they made you feel like that you were family. They took care of you. They made sure they took care of your family. They made sure they took care of you because you were their players. You know, you were their guy. And I and I might not have been the best dude ever on the team or the best player ever, the best pitcher ever and stuff like that. But I'm gonna explain something to you. When they when they showed me love, it was on. Yeah. I I would go out there and die on that field for the for that organization just because of the way they treated me. And the same thing when we came back for the 08. World Series uh, win last year in the in the uh, you know the reunion yep. and everything the way they treated us man I mean that that is just a high class organization and I played for a couple of organizations and everything like that but you don't get no better now no no but I mean I, I want to get into the David stuff in a little bit but I, I gotta I gotta stay on on point with with you with this because for me I think it's so fresh and, and we're seeing it and I gotta ask you because not. Not being a pitcher, being a position player and, and a utility guy, like I, I'm going anywhere and I'm going to play everywhere. I'm going to play well. That's right. That was my mentality. Okay. Yeah, now the ball. question is, does it matter as a starter turned reliever what scenario you get put in? Like for me in, in talking to you and hearing stories about you of wanting to just like the way that you describe yourself is how I've had a few of my buddies describe you is just like hair on fire, want to do it now not wait on it but do it now so my question is did it matter if you were ahead or behind like did it did it affect the way you pitched right I mean like the other night Vince comes in in a game where where the Phillies are winning and he just blows through two innings and just 33 
33 pitches, 30 fastballs, blowing cheese by guys. Today, and I don't know if it had anything to do with, you know, Nick Pavetta being announced as a starter, them being down 7-1 to one or whatever it was at the time of him right. coming in the game. Like, right. I, 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 is there a, a huge difference, something that you didn't experience until you actually experienced it? So my role when I came in as, as a bullpen guy, as a starter, I knew I had to go six innings. Mm-hmm. I knew I had to go six innings. As a reliever, sometimes the best thing the Phillies did for me was give me a role. Yep. You're the so you eighth knew. inning guy. And, and, yeah, and I knew I was coming eighth inning. And not only that, I knew that it was eighth or ninth inning guy. And that, that was one of the things that was very adamant to me, that yep. I knew when I was coming in. I knew the game was online and everything. And the one thing that really screwed me up when I, as a bullpen, it, when I went, to, I went to the White Sox, and I had no idea when I was pitching. Mm. They just made that call down there, and they go, oh, yeah, let me get Myers. And I went, <laughs> oh, my God, like I, I was totally expecting to pitch in the seventh, eighth, or ninth yeah. inning. I thought I was a back-end guy. At that time, it didn't matter. I would throw in the fifth inning. That was one of the hardest things to do. Because you have no idea where you're going to be or what's going on. So as a closer or as an eighth inning guy, you knew if a, if you're in a three inning, if you're in a three run game, you're going in. You know, and there's certain times that you have no idea when you're going in. I think that pays a lot of, you know, situations that come in to where it pays it pays the road. Yep. If if you know when you're going in that in at that certain time, you are locked in yeah. and ready to roll. If you're not ready to go, then guess what? You're gonna get you're gonna get your stuff pushed in. Yeah, you know, like you, you don't know exactly when you're going in. So if they, and I know I know they don't do that these days with the, with how they do the bullpens and stuff with committee or, or whatever it is. Yep. But if you know if you know when you're going in, that makes a huge difference. That now they're playing matchups. Yeah, they're playing matchups and how you do against this certain guys. For me, I I hated the shift. <laughs> I remember when I was with the Houston Astros and I was sitting there going, "Why are you shifting this? I yeah. don't throw. You're you're playing the shift for a guy that throws ninety five. I don't throw ninety five no more. Yeah, play the guy this way, play the guy that way. I'm like, play him straight up and let's just make the plays. <laughs> I never turn. I turned around. I never turned around. And looked at my my defense or anything like that, and I just made my pitches because I pitched to my strengths. Yeah. And then now all of a sudden, these guys are going, we're going to shift this way. I'm like, as a starter, I'm throwing 90 miles an hour. Yeah. These other guys that you're doing the shift off of, so show me what he does off of me with the mm-hmm. shift. Show me what he does off of me. What he does off of me, that's how you play it. But they're doing as a broad spectrum of these guys of what they do. Yeah. You know? It, it, so, so Bryce Harper is going to pull me. Yeah. There's no doubt it's throwing 90 miles an hour. There's no doubt. Just play the shift. That's fine. Yep. You know, but I might make a dirty change up away and he slaps it the other way and I'm pissed off. Like, I'm, I'm mad about that because yeah. I'm going, I made a great pitch and you're playing the shift on me. You know, yeah. he slaps it the other way because he's a great hitter and he just, and he, and he, and, and he sees what's going on and, and stuff like that. So for me, the stuff like that really irritates me a little bit. Play him straight up. Play him towards what he does against me. Yeah. And well, that's the frustrating part. When you come in from the bullpen and stuff like that, 
you have to be ready yes. in that situation. Actually, like that's the thing is that like, and you had it. You had the stuff. I mean, obviously you close and you finish twenty. What thirty seven games and you close or uh, save twenty one that year, right? And it, execution out of the bullpen and, and learning. Like, did it? Because you go back into a starting role the, the following year, and you know. I'm not saying did you learn anything, but like, did it help with attacking the zone, like, or with you anything else? You know what the else? best thing for me was to have Flash Gordon, Tom Gordon. Yeah, teach me. We don't talk about him with me. I I love that guy. I do too, but I didn't. I literally didn't touch a ball against him ever. I'm sorry. He was but, disgusting, and I, and, I, and I know why. I know why because. But I'm gonna tell you something. Flash <laughs> got hurt. Flash got hurt, and he taught me so much. Not not necessarily about closing games, yeah, but how to treat people. <laughs> so every Sunday, and you can ask the Phillies ground screw guys, every Sunday he would order and pay for it, Famous Dave's mm. Barbecue. Mm. And we'd go down there and eat. So when he, w- when he was out, I made sure I carried on that certain thing. Like that's just that's little awesome. things, man. That's little things that nobody sees what goes on. All right, I'm gonna tell you my okay. story with him. I gotta tell you, I gotta tell you. This is this is brutal, but I have to get <laughs> off my chest. All right. So 06, I, I I end two games when I'm with the Giants. It's my rookie year. We come into town, we lose two or three games. He closes out two of the games, and both against me. Curveballs up in the zone, both strikes. I think they're balls, but I don't say a word. Anything. But I don't touch a ball. Like I'm not even like not even right. close. To, I'm not a strikeout guy either, right? I'm not going to yeah. strike out. I'll yeah. put it weekly yeah. in the play, whatever. Anyway, we face him again later on, and and I don't. I I see him again. I strike out. I do not touch a ball. Right. Oh nine. I think he's in. If it makes sense, it's oh seven, oh eight, or no, it's got to be oh nine. He's with the Diamondbacks. Yeah. They're going to come back. I think it is. Yeah. It's either 07 or 09. It doesn't matter. I face Flash Gordon. Oh, and yeah. I'm like, okay, we're in the minor leagues. Like, he's not going to remember anything. And he, like, does the same exact sequence on me. And I'm going, oh, my God, I don't touch a ball. Get the two strikes. I literally choked up about three or four inches on my little <laughs> bat that I already used. I love and it. I get, like, a little check swing to him. Yeah. And I'm running down the line going, ha, ha, ha. I got yeah. him. I got him. And yeah. he's laughing as he does it. He finds yeah. me afterwards. He goes, man, that's the first ball you touched off me. And I'm like, <laughs> you know what? Flash Gordon remembered an, like at bats against me, like more that than is, anything. Like that is amazing. That was like my favorite. One of my favorite like baseball stories is he remembered that. And I'm can going, I, can I tell you this something? dude? Can I tell you something? Yeah. I know you never played with him or anything like that, but that dude taught me how to be a big leaguer. That's awesome. He really did. That he is really, awesome. He, he honestly really did. And I was so impressed by him because when I came, when, when he actually came back when after he was hurt in 07 or whatever, he actually came back and he was my setup guy. <laughs> he was my setup guy. When That's I went incredible. out there to be his setup guy in 07, and he had no problem being my setup guy. He had no problem. You know why? Because he didn't put himself first. Hmm. He put the team first. Yeah. And that's something that 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 he taught me. Not not only, I, I was all about the team, always have been. But that's something like me and him would sit there and we would just talk about just random stuff. Not not anything 
off the field, like uh, in the clubhouse and stuff. Like I would follow him around like a puppy dog. Because well, it's pretty smart. I wanted, I wanted to know how to be like him. It's pretty smart. He had a pretty damn good career. <laughs> he was, yeah, that's what I'm saying. But I followed him around like a little puppy dog, and he taught me how to close. He literally taught me how to close ball games. That's awesome. You know, because when you get here's the thing, there's a thing about closing. You're up one run, you better bring in nasty stuff. Mm-hmm. You better when you're up when you're up two runs or three runs, you could throw that fastball down the middle because they're going to take. Would oh, you yeah. agree? Yep. They get they tell you to get up there. They say you take the first one. Well, that to me was awesome because I already had four pitches. I had four pitches be, becoming being a starter, <laughs> and I would get up there and I go fastball down the middle. Go ahead, hit that. I don't care. Next thing you know, you took that first one, gave me strike one. I had a cutter, a curveball, and a split. Or a changeup, or whatever. It's whatever you want. You had, I had, I had four pitches. You if had they hit about. it, you name and it. And I had, and I had command exactly. <laughs> I had command of all four of them because I was a starter before. Yeah. Now I watched Vince Velasquez and stuff like that, and I watched Paveda and stuff like that. Right. Yep. Here's the best thing about closing. All I needed was two pitches to win. Yes. Dumb it down. It. I had four of them that I could play with. Yep. But I have two of them. All that all I needed to know, my fastball was always there. Yep. My changeup or my split change or whatever was maybe hit or miss. My cutter was hit or miss. My curveball was always there. Yeah. So I knew I had two pitches to win the ball game. <laughs> so as a starter, you go out there, okay, and you have fastball. You know it's there. My curveball or my, this pitch is always there. By the time you get through the order two or three times, it's very tough to know if that pitch is actually going to be there or not. You know? Yeah, absolutely. So I know that I know that second one's going to be there. I yep. know that second one's going to be there. But I think this is the right pitch to throw, but I'm not sure if it's going to be good or not. Yeah. So you second guess yourself. Because the catcher puts it down, you you know, it doesn't mean that it was really good in the bullpen, but it might not be that good when I throw it this time. So you second-guess yourself, and you, and then you give up the dang home run. Yeah. Or you give up the base hit. That's the thing as a starter. You have to – these guys are so good at the plate, and you can attest to this. When you go up there as a pinch hitter or as any hitter, as, as a closing guy, if I'm closing – as a pinch hitter, what are you searching for? Fastball. Heater. You're looking for that first one. Oh, yeah. Right? Once you go down 0-1, now oh, you start God. thinking. <laughs> As a starter, you go up there, you go, I took his fastball. It don't matter. I'm still looking for this. I'm still looking for that because it's yep. still early. It's yep. still early in the game. You know, it's still early. So your 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 position, your position is, hey, I'll get him the next time because I saw how he got me out. Yeah. That's how it works. As yep. a closer, you there is no time. sequence. There is no sequence to closing a game. You have no idea what I'm going to throw to you. <laughs> I might start you with a hook first pitch. Well, the only one that we ever knew about was Mariano, right? And he'd... <laughs> exactly. Here comes the cutter. Exactly. You're going to get it. You're going to get it on your hands. If you can square it up and, and, and honestly... That is a freak yeah. thing 
you know? And, and then he started incredible. saying, hey, guess what? I learned a two-seamer. Yeah. Well, I mean. And, I, and But but here's the thing. He didn't throw it much. Okay. He didn't have to throw it much. Dude, he, but he my only a bat against mind. him, he threw me it. He threw he put it in your mind. He had you Ugh. had no idea. But because of Sports Center and all the newscast shit. Yeah. Excuse me, sorry my language. But it, all the stuff that you're sitting there and you're going, Oh my goodness, he has a two seamer now. <laughs> and it, and then, then you go, I gotta protect with that. But he rarely threw it. Oh uh, dude, Mark Mark Sweeney right before I faced him goes, Hey, all cutters, but he has a sinker. He'll, he probably won't throw you first pitch. And guess what? Off that, my ruined, hands. that ruined your hole at bat. Oh, my God. He threw first pitch, sinker in on my hands. I'm going like, dive, and I look dive. back, and they're all laughing at me. Like, are you serious? Dive. Yeah, dive, dive, right? Unbelievable. I tell, I tell my eight-year-old kids that we're playing this travel ball stuff, man. I said, get up on the dang plate. Put your toes on the line and try to hit the ball up the middle. Right? Thank you. And then all of a sudden. The middle's your best friend. The kid jams him, and he goes, you told me. I said, he made a good pitch. Yeah. You're going to get out. Well, you know what? If you get jammed, you're doing something right. That's what I always think. You, yeah, you hit it off the end of the bat, out. that's not that's not doing it right. 100%. I mean, 100%. And, and you know, my, my kid's up there, and I'm telling him to get closer to the plate, and he goes, I'm on the plate. I'm like, no, you're not. I'm looking at you. Get up on the plate. My kid talks so much trash when he's playing baseball, man. It's unbelievable. He's 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 more of an idiot than I was, and and I love him for it. But I love that because because it, it's hilarious. Because he looks at umpires and tells them that's not a strike, and I just <laughs> laugh my I, I laugh my tail off, man. I really do, I really do. I laugh at him. But but um but yeah, man. Like if 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 you really if you really want to put Vince Velasquez in the dang bullpen, and he's already got he, right now. I'm looking at him as a starter. He's got he's got two pitches. Yep, that's all he does. Those. So what does that tell you? Yep. What did what did Brad Lidge do in 08? He yeah. had two pitches and yeah. he and he destroyed people. Yeah, it was pretty with good. With two pitches. And everybody knew it was coming. Yeah. But the same with Mariano. You couldn't hit it. So if Vince Velasquez with his command and stuff like that, I think he would play great in the bullpen. But you know what? You don't want to do that to a young guy and, and put him out of there. You you know what I'm saying? Like you don't you don't want to do that. You if if he could if I'm all about it. Whatever helps the team. Yeah, but if you I, think he's going to help the team and do that? But he needs to learn. He needs to learn to have that other pitch to put it in that guy's mind. Yeah. The same way with Mariano. You read about this dude has a freaking sinker, man. Next thing you know, you're worried about that sinker and you're diving out over the plate for that cutter and he throws a sinker in on you. Guess what happened? You're picking your knuckles up as you're running to first base. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I'm just thinking like a guy like like Vince for me. I think just knowing him and and for whatever reason, like if they're behind, I, I don't see it as a good – if they're up, he's that guy that I feel like just I am not letting you boys down, like that type stuff. You, you think know? so? And, and it's different now. If you think about it, being a reliever these days is not a negative. No, it's not because these guys, boys are getting paid. go five innings and they're They're getting okay paid. Yeah, they're okay with that. They're okay with five uh, five innings these days. Yep. You know. Yep. And 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 and, and, and listen, listen, man. I I I'll never forget. And I'm, I'm gonna go back to my minor league career with Rod Nichols, our boy, the man. Yeah, I love him to death. And and uh, I I remember I come out of a game. I threw, um, I think it was six and a third, and they came and got me because I was at my pitch limit, and I wasn't happy. Because in high school, I went seven innings every yeah. time. Like, I didn't care. I had 140 in my arm. 
every night. Didn't care. But they're trying to protect me. And I'm sitting there mad as hell because they pulled me out. Rod Nichols, I went, he went to slap my hand, and I didn't slap his hand because I was PO'd. He threw my gloves six, <laughs> 17 rows deep. Uh, From that day on, I learned my lesson. Yeah. Shake his hand no, no matter what. <laughs> no matter what. It didn't matter, but he was teaching me something. Yeah. So with Vince Velasquez, in, in my opinion, man, I honestly, with, with, with all the stuff, because I got an interview the other day about Faveda going to the bullpen, bullpen and stuff like that. And I'm, I'm sitting there thinking to myself, going, man, y'all are quick to throw them in the bullpen and stuff like that. I said, that's fine. I said, but let's where's the development in getting them their pitches developed and stuff like that? And I think both these dudes got the stuff together. I really do. Yep. But what you have to do as a player is find yourself – what it? What can I do to help this team? Yep. You have to put your emotions aside. You have to put your pride aside and go, whatever helps this team win is what I'm going to do. And you know what? That's the way we won it in 08. That's the way we got there in 07. That's the way we won it in 08. And I'm going to tell you from personal experience in, in 08, I thought I was supposed to be the closer. They got Brad Lidge. Yep. Okay. They traded for Brad Lidge. And I'm and I and I told Charlie when they called me and told me this thing, you're gonna start again. We got Brad Lidge. I said, I'm way better than him. Turns out I wasn't even close to as good as him. <laughs> Cause the dude didn't blow a save. <laughs> okay. So it at that time I got sent down to the minor leagues. I got sent down to the minor yeah. leagues. I didn't have to go. But you know what? I knew I wasn't helping the team. And I went to Charlie and them, and I said, listen, I am not helping the team. I need something. You need to help me figure out. I said, put me in the bullpen. Let me get my stuff right, and then I'll come back, and I'll be ready. You know what they said? You're going to the minors. And I went, no, I'm not. I'm not going to eat peanut butter jelly again. <laughs> I really did. And you know what? I put my pride aside. I swallowed it. And I said, you know what? I'm gonna go down there and I'm gonna work with work with the guys. And you know, and the best thing about it was that I went down there and I had fun. And I tried to remember how much fun the game actually was. And I went with Rod Nichols and those dudes and stuff like that. And those those guys that want my job. These guys want my job. Yep. Okay. And I was actually helping them to take my job in the best way I could because Flash Gordon taught me that. Tom Gordon taught me that. Because these are our future, and this is why I love watching these guys play these days. And even though they throw 100, I knew it was time to go in 2013 when I was watching guys throw 98, 99 miles an hour. And I'm going, hey, it's time for me to go home. Yeah. As starters, yeah. which is unheard of. Yeah. I saw Billy Wagner throw 101 miles an hour, and I went, oh, my God, that is freakish. <laughs> freakish stuff, man, freakish stuff, right? And, and and I was like, man, that's what I want to do. But I realized that whatever I had to do to help my team was the best option for me. Yep. Whether it was good or whether it was bad, they, I, I, you can ask every one of my teammates, and I hope they would attest for this. If not, then we'll have a talk about it later. But but uh, I they knew I gave everything I had on that field. I left it on the field, whether I was bad or whether I was great. Yeah, but I, I I think more I think more importantly, I mean let, let's be honest here. 
you, you going back to starting, you you struggled a little bit. Go to the minors, do all this. Oh, by the way, you're starting in the playoffs. You're beating mm -hmm. CC Sabathia, right? right? You're going up into into against the Dodgers. You're beating the Dodgers. You're pitching in the World Series. So you know what? There isn't really too many negatives in this whole thing. By the way, I could hit. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just messing with you. <laughs> oh, we're getting but, uh, into that too, by the way. <laughs> I'm just messing with you. We, no, no, no. But, we are getting into this <laughs> at some point. All right. Part of that 08, and, and not even part, a huge part of that is uh, David Montgomery. Um, right. And, you know, he recently passed away, and, and we've yeah. all acknowledged it. But I, I feel yeah. like anyone that I have on here, I, if you have the floor, if you want to say anything about him, because I, I think more than anything, when we lose people, it's it's so uh, we're so reactionary, right? And so at the beginning, it's all like you know, and then as time goes on, you you don't talk enough about him. And, and my whole thing is to keep this thing going with him. Yeah, well, I'm gonna tell you about David Montgomery, and it, this is this is 100%. I just talked to my dad about this the other day. This guy asked about how my mom, my dad, my kids my wife, everybody was doing, and knew every one of their names. Yeah, I played there for a little bit. I played I played with the Phillies for a little for a little while, you know, for eight years. But this guy, man, there's no reason that he had anything to, to – what did he have to gain by talking to me or anything that, what was going on? This guy made me feel like we were family. And that, to me, was huge. And I'll explain it to you why. Because I was raised on family. Family's number one. Yep. Family's number one. The Phillies organization made my family, my dad told me the other day, he goes, what a great dude. He goes, I hadn't seen that guy. He saw him this past year when we came up for the 08 reunion. And... Mr. Montgomery went up there, and I know he hates it when I call him that because he always says, it's David. And I was like, I would never, ever call you David because you're just like a dad to me, you know, because I've known you for since I was 18 years old. And my dad walked by and called David Mr. Montgomery. And my dad goes, and, and, Mr. and David goes, my name's David, Phil. And I went, wow, that is, wow. Like, I haven't played for this organization for, you know, five, six years. Mm -hmm. And you still remember my dad's name mm -hmm. and stuff like that? Like, how cool is that, man? Yeah. Like, how cool is that? This is this guy is the biggest high mark of the Phillies ever. Like, when you say Phillies, you say David Montgomery. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and 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 to me, that made me feel. And I was standing right there, and I I got chills right now, man. I'm not I'm not kidding you. As we're doing the podcast or whatever, I, I got chills because that dude didn't give a dang if I was the best ball player in the world. He didn't care. He treated me like a human being. Yep. He treated my family like a human being. And when and and, and that's another thing that David Montgomery instilled in me and my family was family. Oh. And that's why I will always represent the Phillies organization the best way I can. Huh. Dude, I, just because of that. Yeah, and I have 
like very similar. I mean, obviously not as long, but in knowing him and and how much he just he treated me so well, and I had so many sit downs this 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 spring training with him, uh, and we 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 talked just you know whether it was five minutes and one end lasted like thirty minutes, but the consistency not only for him but the consistency in stories told about him right yeah, here here's the thing kevin you, and you know this better than i do uh, and maybe maybe this as well as i do how many people do you meet during a day they go oh my god kevin francis man you played in the big leagues and how many people i meet during the day hey man and then and i go up to umpire meetings at this eight you travel ball crap and fortune you and they go hey man i'm joe and i was like okay great halfway through the game i don't even know his name <laughs> i don't care like i'm trying to win a ball game here this dude made it a point and i hate to say dude or whatever but this guy no. this respectful man made it a point to know everybody saying it's almost like he was like the president of the United States. I yeah. swear, he, if he ran for it, I'd vote for him. There's no doubt about but, it. But, Brett. But, but I'm, it's right in front of my – like, how do you – you, you yeah. haven't seen me in eight years, and you know my kids' names, and you know my dad's names and stuff like that, and, and my family's name and stuff like that. I was like, man, did you – did somebody <laughs> put a piece of paper in front of your face to tell you who's coming? It wasn't the case. Yeah. This guy made it. This guy knew. I, I I love that you you call him a dude because he was a dude. He was uh-huh. he, he was every man's man, and yeah. better than a, a man's man. But he was just a dude. Like if he was in the locker room, in the clubhouse, in anywhere. I, I got chills so bad right now, Kevin. I swear to God, I love. Man, I got chills so bad right now just because. But that's the point it, of talking about him, right? Like, and, and it, it brings silly. out that. Yeah, absolutely, man. And and you know what the thing is? I'm a Southern boy. Yeah. I'm from Jacksonville, Florida, man. We're rednecks and stuff like that or whatever. But I'm going to tell you what. That dude cared about people. <sighs> he cared about people, and he cared about making people feel good about himself. I'll never forget. There's some things that I've went through in, this or- in that organization and everything like that. But you know who stood beside me? Dave Montgomery. That's awesome. He that grabbed my awesome. family together, and he brought everybody together. He brought everybody together. You know, he put the right people in my life to make me the person that I am. Oh. And that is that is huge for me. I have nothing but respect for him and Lynn and his kids and everything like that. Like there is there is everybody talks about the Yankees, the Yankees or whatever and stuff like that. I'm going to tell you something. We might not have won as much as the Yankees did in the in the Phillies organization, but I'm I'm a Philly for life, man. No matter if I won a World Series or not, I promise you, that guy made people feel good about themselves. No matter he didn't care if I got my my stuff pushed in out on the field because the next day, guess what he treated me like a human being. That's what life is about. Hell yeah. He wanted to win just as bad as everybody. He really did. He wanted to win just as bad as everybody. But you know what? He realized that we were human. Mm -hmm. And that's what made me love this guy even more. You know, I can't tell you how many times that we went in spring training, that owner's owner's thing or whatever and everything like that, and played golf and did everything. Dave Montgomery was the guy that I just was like, man, I don't want to mess up around this dude. He's a good guy, you know what Absolutely. I'm saying? Absolutely. Like, you you don't want to get out of line. And You're like, I want I want best behavior because of David. 
when, yeah, exactly. But it's when I truth. messed up, when I messed up, David came to me and he goes, "Hey, man, you messed up." And I said, "Yes, sir, I did." I, I kind of looked at him as a dad, honestly. Yeah. You know, I really did. I really did. And and that that to me is just. I, I was like, I apologize. Please help me to become a like you. Mm. You know what a special human being, man. And and uh, I'm sorry the good Lord took him so early, but but man. The, he he just he meant a lot to me and he meant a lot to the Phillies organization and and I I honestly to this day sit there and think how do I become like David Montgomery? Well, keep talking about him and that I mean I feel like at some point the osmosis all that stuff is gonna you know what I'm saying like, he's gonna come back and slap me upside the head <laughs> some, at some point man I swear well man. I'll, I'll tell you what he would do tomorrow he would be doing what a lot of people should be doing if they're listening to this podcast right now, and that is pre-ordering your fourth album. Oh, my goodness. I don't know if he'd do that for me. I mean, I, I think he would. He might he actually – he, much, he but... might go to every computer at the at the stadium and do it just because uh, he's like, we need it all here. Yeah, I appreciate that, man. And, and a lot of these songs that we do, that, that I do and everything like that, is it's, it's about my life, man. You know, I wrote, I wrote a song. I wrote a song on this new album. It's called Better Man. And I don't, I don't think it's one of those songs that people are going to go, yeah, that's the jam, you know, that I'm going to play on the river or something like that, or, or hang out because, you know, we like writing songs about partying and having a good time. I mean, hell, I had half over half my 8U team and some other 8U teams over here at the house too, even though we, they beat us today, but they're still here hanging out because it's, it's a relationship. You never know. You never know. And uh, so I wrote a song called Better Man, and I 100% think this is the best song I've ever wrote in my entire life because it has to do with the things that I've went through in my life (laughs) and how I'm trying to become a better man. I know it's going to get real for a minute, but how I become a better man in my life or trying to become a better man with the mistakes I've made. Everybody's made mistakes. Everybody's everybody's, uh, ran into that that person before to where you're like, man, I, if, if I could have changed this situation, you know, and, and, and become bigger than that person or be David Montgomery. Yeah. You know, seriously. Yeah. Like, yep. and, and, and that's, and that's the thing where I wrote this song and I, I think it's the best song on the album. If, if everybody loves it, man, you know, then, then that's, that's what it's about, man. It, and, and it's, it's, um, in, in my opinion, it explains it to you. Yeah. Like the song will tell you exactly anything and everything, you know, yep. everybody goes through difficulties in life. Everybody goes through ups and downs. So, and how do I become a better man? Well, let me ask you this. Like when, when you're, when you're writing a song and you're, you're, you're going through and, and doing this whole album is doing like a concert. Is that like closing? Is that how, Ooh, like the man. same adrenaline rush as, as man, closing? That's, that's a long story, but uh, uh, I'll give it to you. I'll give you the short version. Uh, so basically, when I started doing this music stuff, I was just having fun. I, I like writing words down. Yeah. You know, as most, you know, some people, look, look man, as baseball players, that was your getaway. Time. Yeah, we got a lot of time. Yeah. We got a lot of time to screw off or whatever like that and stuff like that. So I'd always pick up the guitar. I wanted to learn how to play guitar and stuff like that. So, you know, Kevin Camasholi, yeah. freaking bad, 
badass. I'm going to say guy. that He's on the this decider. Badass. He's the man. And, and, and here's the thing. So back then he didn't have to do replays. So me and him would just sit there and screw around on guitar because he was a guitar <laughs> teacher. But now he's got to do replay and he doesn't talk to me anymore. No, I'm just kidding. I love but, uh, but, but with, with, with that being said is that he kind of got me into playing guitar and stuff like that. So when I started playing music, I, I, I was on the DL in 2013 with the Indians <clears throat> and what was I going to do besides sit there and get fat and drink and do my rehab? <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. Like, so in good year, instead of, right. And uh, no, actually, or in I, Cleveland. actually in Cleveland, I was in Cleveland. They, they kept you in Cleveland the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. And I was miserable, man. So, so maybe was, good year would have been nicer. <laughs> no, I didn't want to be there. Cause I was further away from my uh, kids and my, my everything, man. Cause I, I don't know. It was a mess, but, but either way, so I, I sat there and I started writing songs. And I had one of my buddies from Nonpoint come in, um, which is a damn good band. They they had big hits or a couple big hits yeah. or whatever. And uh, I was like, hey, man, why don't you just come stay with me, man? I'm bored. I'm by myself. I'm eating freaking Olive Garden every night, fat as hell. And well, that happens when you get the breadsticks. Yeah, I know. That's the breadsticks are amazing. But... Uh, <laughs> You know, I love the the um, you know the salad. The salad dressing is amazing too. Oh, but, you um, can eat salad breadsticks. I mean, dude, you're golden yeah, right there. Salad and breadsticks. I'm I'm in. So so I, I sit there and he comes in and we started writing music together and then finally I just I got released and uh, on my own kind of terms basically because I was like I'm ready to come yeah. back. And they said, if we do that, then we'll lose one of our younger guys. And me being the team guy goes, keep your younger guys. I'm going to go home. I was like, keep your young guys. Don't bring me off the 60 day. I'm like, screw it, man. I'm going home. I said, I'm going home and be with my kids. Because that year, my kids actually cried when I left for spring training, Ugh. which was amazing. Yeah. And now I'm actually being able to be with them and stuff like that. So it was kind of like an eye opener yeah. to me because family's first. No you doubt. Know? And then, and then, uh, you know, I started doing the music stuff and, and, uh, I, I hit up a, uh, buddy of mine that was on Facebook. I don't remember this guy worth, worth a damn. I have no idea who he is. His name's Damon Starkey. No idea who he is. Yeah. Played in Puddle of Mud. Bass player in Puddle of Mud and stuff like that. And, 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 uh, apparently I drilled him in a scrimmage game when I was in high school. <laughs> he was on the J. I had no idea about any of this stuff. And we, we gave him the business. That's what we called the business. So we had like a hazing thing going on, which is not allowed these days. You can't do it, which is fine. I'm okay with it. And we had this little hazing thing, and he back-taught me or whatever, and we had a scrimmage against the JV that day, and he was the leadoff hitter, and I drilled him right in the back. Yes. Because he popped off to me. As I you hey, should. Take 96 right in your face. You Enjoy. know, like, I didn't care. It is, yeah. Hey, how you like that? He tells me that his back still hurts to this day. He's my producer. He's oh. a good friend of mine and stuff like that. So he, so I get in the studio, okay, and he goes, let's do it. He goes, I said, man, I got these three songs. Let's do this. Next thing you know, we write this song called Beer Hand Strong. It's on my first album. Yeah. And it's okay. I don't think it's great, but I think it's okay. And he's like, dude, man, you got some really good lyrics and stuff like that. Like, you, you have a good, you know, this could be, this could work. And I'm like, you played in Puddle of Mud. Yes, sir. Yep. I'm going to listen to what you got to say. 
So next thing you know, he goes, get in there and sing it. I said, kiss my ass. I said, there's no chance I'm getting in there. I said, you, you got to be kidding me. I don't even sing in the shower, bro. Yeah. I said, I'm not singing none of that. I said, you were the lead singer in your bands. Why don't you get in there and sing it? He goes, no, this is your stuff. You wrote it. You're a country guy now. This is what you're doing. You're like a country redneck or, or country kid rockish type stuff. And I'm like, I'm out. Huh. I said, I'm not even close to those dudes. So it took two weeks. He goes, hey, man, I'm having some people over, man. Why don't you come over and have some beers and, you know, we'll have some drinks or whatever. He goes, why don't you come over, man? And I said, okay, I'll come over and hang out with you. I said, you know, <laughs> you played in puddle of mud and I drilled you in the back. You're a friend of mine now. That's so good. Because you're still a friend of mine because I drilled you. <laughs> I don't know why, but okay. But that, that's the, the a-hole I was in high school, I guess. But but uh, that was the mentality that kept me playing for 12 years or whatever. But that's so good. But so the next thing I know, we get over to his house and he, he pumped me full of beer and liquor and stuff. He goes, get in there and sing it. I said, okay. That's good. <laughs> Hammered, dude. Uh, you know, not, not not completely drunk. No, but, but just to the point where all the all like, the uh, the nerves to the are gone. To, where, to the point to where you go at, at a karaoke bar and go, I've had enough that I'm going to sing karaoke. That's where I was at. And I said, Okay, I'm in. So I got up there and I started I started singing the singing the mic or whatever like that. And next thing you know, it turned out pretty good. It wasn't too bad. And and uh, he goes, man, we need to keep working together. And I'm like, man, I'm that I don't know what you're talking about. He goes, you can sing, man. I'm like, you are drunk. <laughs> <laughs> like for real, man. I'm fighting him on this, man. I'm fighting. I'm fighting him so hard on this. I'm like, man, I just like having fun, man. You know, yeah. I like having fun and stuff like that. Like, I'm not trying to get like into this music thing. Or like it was a getaway. Yeah, it was, it was like, let's write. As, and I came up with the song Beer Hand Strong because I was sitting there going, you know, I'm sitting by I'm sitting by the grill cooking some steaks or something for the family or something like that. And I'm having a good time. I was like, man, I got to keep my beer hand strong. And I was like, what a freaking good line. And then I called him with it. Next thing you know, I'm singing the song two, three weeks later going, oh, boy. And then and then, so we did that song. And he goes, we need to keep going. Mm-hmm. He told me, he's like, we need to keep going. He goes, this is, this is something cool. And I said, I think you're, um, um, you, you, you have issues. <laughs> there's, there's no way that you think that that sounded good. You know, but your worst critic is yep. you. Is you. Right. You know, and then that's the same way I have to say with my playing career. Like, yeah, man, I played 12 years. That's awesome. But I never thought I was that good. I thought, but when I stepped on that mound, I thought I was the best damn player out there. Yeah. And it was like in between all the stuff that's, that's where all the thoughts. Yeah. Crept in, in between, in between, I'm going, yeah. man, I really suck. I can't believe I just threw nine innings against the best team in baseball and got, got 27 outs. I don't know how that happened because I'm terrible, you know? Yeah. You always have that second thought. You always have that second, you know, you're thinking about that, you know. Like, and, and baseball players, like, everybody talks about PTSD and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. We all have a little bit of that in our mm-hmm. head, you know. Yep. And and, and, and then that, that has nothing to do with military or whatever. Like, I'm pro-military and pro-America and everything like that. Speaking of Memorial Days tomorrow, I can't wait. Um, 
There's, Off got, day plenty, on Memorial I got, Day. I got, I got the best thing that I've ever seen in my life, and I'll tell you this, and I'll get back to the story. <laughs> Baseball players, yep. musicians, yep. and military personnel, same mentality. Because we're on the road, we're doing the thing, and we're trying to compete, and we're trying to make sure everything goes right. Yep. We're trying not to suck. You know, and that and that is the one thing that really drives me to music and military guys hmm. and military personnel and everything like that. Like that is a hundred percent, man. Because it, it's the same mentality. It's the same mentality. Oh, for sure. Same mentality. For sure. So, and I and, and my, some of my best friends are military, and some of my best friends are musicians. So that's why I'm doing this. So, so back to the story with you know, doing the first song, he goes, we need to do this and do that. And then I came out with an EP, five songs, EP, just kind of threw it out there. Just saying, Hey man, here, you go check it out. Yoga pants is on it by the way, which is amazing. Just because yoga pants, I, I was, I was in this thing. I was taking my kids to school and I was looking at all these ladies walking up in yoga pants and I'm going, are you really going to work out? Are you going this to show your butt off. I, I have no idea. Yeah. Like, I have no idea. Like, don't, as dudes, like, my wife wears yoga pants. I'm like, what are you doing? Honey? You know, <laughs> What's up, girl? Thank you. <laughs> like, I love you. Thank you. You're amazing. You know, that's yeah. a nice, nice butt. I love you. And, and so, so I sit there and I, it's, it's kind of like the most, it's, it's the most, you can see it. Everything with those, it's like wearing a bikini when you go to the to the beach or yeah. something like that. You know, yeah. like it's just one of those things. And and I was like, I'm in in between going, is this sexist or is this, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I no, I, I feel you. So. Like in between, like kind of trying to go, yeah, maybe it's good, maybe it's bad. So we did the song. Preston and Steve got a hold of it. Oh, beauties! And I, they were freaking out on it. But they were also freaking out on Kegerator. I wrote a song about Kegerator. And I think I sold out every man in the world and every human in the world. If you're a man, the song is, uh, my wife used to bitch at me. I don't know if I can say that, but I did. No, but, you uh, can't. Okay. I, they, she used to bitch at me about how many beer cans we're in the trash can the next day. I'm like, yeah, I had 10. I mean, whatever. I'm, I was yeah. drinking since I was, since t- noon. I mean, there's 12. There's 12 it's an off there. day. What are you talking it's okay. about? Yeah, it's okay. It's okay. It's, it's all no right. Problem. Yeah, I had 12 beers today. I, I got nothing to do tomorrow. My, it's good, right? So she used to yell at me about how many beers I drank, which thank God I have her because I would probably be, you know, in trouble somewhere, but, <laughs> but anyway, I get up there and I start, I, I say this song, I'm like, I bought a kegerator because now she can't count how There's... many beers I've had. <laughs> and I know that sounds like a shame. No, but the only awful. thing is she could do the math if, you, if, if there's X amount of, you know, all she sees is one cup now, though. Okay, but what I'm saying is, when that thing empties out, you got to switch it out. She's like, 
Wait, that That's quick? That's why you put it on the back porch. Ah. You have no idea. Yep. So, so, so I have. I bought a kegerator. I actually bought a kegerator. It was at the time that I built my house and everything, and I put a kegerator in there. She had no many. She had no idea how many bears I had. Beautiful. And so she quit. She quit bitching at me about it. And so I wrote this song, and and it's hilarious, and people love it. But the only problem is I sold out every married man in America. Well, it happens. Yeah, well, I mean. I, I mean, was, like, I, let, let's be honest here. They're, so we're not hiding anything. Stuff. The keg raider's for beer. A beer's, beer is there for consumption. Right. But, and but uh, I that's what we need to do. out there while she was, you know, going Tomorrow's to the a perfect day to use the keg raider. Yeah, I slip out there when she's going to the bathroom and grab me a tug of beer. She's like, how many is that for you? I'm like, I don't know. It's, I got one cup. What are you talking about? You know? But, and it, it, dude, it's such, like, like, I know it sounds like you're straight alcoholic and everything, but no. it's not. It's not. It's just that, like, every we all try to please our wives and stuff yep. like that. So so that's what men do. We try to please our wives and stuff. But she, she when I wrote that song, she went, oh, so that's what happened. I said, God dang it, you're man. Like, you actually myself. listened to the music. <laughs> I, I know. I did. I totally did. I totally did, man. You're, I, I, you're probably more fired up. You're like, man, she get, uh, like at the beginning, you're like, damn, I she figured it out. But then you're out. like, wait, she actually listened. Nice. Yeah, I, I sold myself out, man. That's I all right. So, so, I did, so I did a five-song EP. And then uh, it got released, and then all of a sudden a Philly newspaper got a hold of it. And then you've played in Philly. Oh, yeah. I've been in Philly. You know what Philly likes to do? Drink, Drink and, and, and listen to music. And have a good time. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And they got a hold of Kegerator and some of those songs that I was writing, and next thing you know, they wrote about it. And people were buying it. Like, they were buying it like crazy. And I'm going, oh, my God. Because I won a World Series, obviously. Because I damn sure couldn't sing at the time. Um, but what then, if you could? Yes. Oh. I've gotten so. Much hey, I'm sorry. What what Chase did during the what, what Chase said? World. You know what? You know what? You know what, they, you know what they said? You know what they said about Chase saying that? You know what they said? They expected me to say that. Well, that's if a good thing. Said, if if no, but if I would have said that, I'd have been in jail. But let's think about the other part. Like the beauty of of the Chase saying that was everyone thinking that it was you, but everyone that played with Chase knew that he was going to be the one to say it. No, Chase doesn't <laughs> talk. Chase doesn't talk. He de- he de- he doesn't uh, say a word. But no, that that that's the main thing is that everybody expected me to slip up and say something like that. Because I was I was that rebel. Yep. You know, I was that rebel that they expected everybody to say. I mean, I'm sure you heard stories about me. Oh, yeah. Don't be like, don't be like Myers. No, I like never Myers. heard that. I'm gonna be honest well, with you, I never heard that part. But yeah, man, like I was the dude that just pop off. I, like, man, because I was a real, I'm, I'm a real guy, man. I, I'm gonna tell you how I feel. If you don't like it, then piss off. And that's what your songs are too. Exactly, and that's exactly what I try to write about. I try to write real America stuff. That people want to, people can relate to. Because if you can't relate to a song and feel the words to it, then what's the point of doing it? Yeah. So and which one? Which, which one comes out tomorrow? Uh, the the pre order tomorrow is going to be called Baptize in Gasoline. Okay. And it's the it's the new. And you can album. get that on on iTunes. iTunes iTunes pre order is tomorrow. iTunes pre order is tomorrow. Um. So. And, and everyone, uh, look out for that and. The actual they, release is June seventh. 
June 7th is the release. Absolutely. But I want I want to hear Better Man. I'm like, I'm excited about the Better Man you know part. What? I'll just send it to you just because we're cool. I I, I, I want dude. I I love that. I love music. So this is kind of getting I, me fired up. Too. All right. So tomorrow, Brett uh, Brett Myers Music dot com. You can go to <laughs> iTunes. You can get you can pre order your your new album. Yes, sir. June seventh. If you want to wait till you don't want to pre order it, if oh, people don't want to get the early songs. bird, you get two free songs. And here's the thing. You get two free songs if you order tomorrow, pre-order tomorrow. You get the song called Work Hard, Play Harder that's on Travis Pastrana's movie called um, called Action Figures 2. Yeah. It's on the movie. Sick. It's in the movie, which is cool because I got to meet Travis Pastrana. That's But you awesome. get to get that song, and you get to get Breakup Song. That's the other song that you get for free. So if you if you pre-order it, go ahead. Get those two songs for free, and then wait for the official release where you get the whole album on June seventh. That's bad. I'm on, I'm I'm on it. I'm actually it's ten minutes away from uh, being able to pre-order it, so I can't wait to do that. Oh God! All right, so here's here's the deal. So every time someone comes on, I do like a little name association, okay? Sure. And uh, it's either you raked them or they raked you. You own them. Well, everybody raked me, so no, no, no. Right, so, right. so I got, I got some, I got some guys Don't here. Don't throw Barry Bonds in there. I, oh, <laughs> you, you experienced. You were there for the probably the the farthest home run that was ever hit there at Citizens Bank Park. It, hopefully, it, hopefully it wasn't off me. No, I it was off Lieber. The, I still own the one in in, uh, in uh, the White Sox Stadium. So, oh, the, dude, no, now. Bonds hit this one off Lieber. He like, as we know, Lieber didn't provide the power. Bonds hit it off the, the <laughs> McDonald's sign on the way up still. All right, here 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 we go. Here we go. Uh, Edgar Renteria. Tough out. Yeah. Yeah, 21 for 48 on you. Yeah, eat my butt. Yep. All right. Uh, oh. Manny Ramirez. Threw behind him. Four for Twice. 22 on him. You owned his ass. Yeah, but I threw behind him a couple times just because – I, and, and and he sold a grill for like two hundred thousand. I don't know, whatever. But uh, I remember him selling something on eBay. It was his grill or something. But anyway, did I own him? Four for twenty-two, one eighty-two average against you. Wow, maybe I should have not thrown behind him. Uh huh. He hit a couple homers off me though. He at least hit two off of me. One in the playoffs. He I did hit two homers, but that's okay. Uh, that's not okay. what I'm talking about. Ownage. Okay. I'm all, okay. I'm an average guy. Okay, all right, here we go. Uh, we're, we're doing analytics. Here we go. Miguel Cabrera. Owned him. 262. So, in my mind, you owned him, but here's the reason why. Why do you think? Uh, I was. I remember him as a young kid, and I and we had the same agent, and I used to talk trash to him. That's you why. punched tickets. Yeah, 13 that's right. times you punched Hoo-wee. his ticket. He, could, he couldn't hit that breaking ball. Oh, no, you know, he, this one gets even better. You know what he, you know what he better. did off of me? Alfonso you know Soriano. Oh, owned his owned his tail. Yes, you did. Six for thirty six. Hit three homers, but that doesn't yes, matter. You know why? And I'm gonna tell you how. I'm gonna tell you how to get him out. Same Fifteen way you get punches. Yeah, I'm gonna tell you how you get him out. I'm gonna tell you how to get him out. You gotta throw fastballs belt high because his swing. Same with Mike Trout. It was down. You got it. The, the bat path was not level. The bat path was down. Same with Mike Trout. Mike Trout. You gotta throw belt high fastballs. You know what I did with Alfonso Soriano? He used to own me in the minor leagues. You can put this on. He used to own me 
And I, everything was down, down. They're telling me down, down. And once I realized that they'll elevate fastballs to him, belt high fastballs, he couldn't hit me no more. I tried to throw it as hard as I could to him. Oh, I love it. And I elevated fastballs, and he couldn't hit him. All he did was foul him off, and then I bounced a breaking ball like 42 foot, and he couldn't and he couldn't hit it. Oh, it's so good. He's swinging. I love it. Give All right, we're going get, to get to a couple teammates of yours. Okay. Ryan Howard. Out. Curveballs. There you go. You're not, I mean, by the way, he has a, a very uh, large book. Yeah. You're not in it. Yeah. One for I'm nine, not. five punchies. That's right. Uh, Brian Schneider. I got his ass. Yes, you did. I'm going to make sure I'm I'm putting you when I when I do his podcast. Yeah, I love your, that your guy, name's though. getting on there. I love that guy. 8 for 39. He he, he did shoot you. He shot you once. Yeah, that was when I was young. That's all right. I didn't know I didn't know who 8 he was. 8 for 39. You owned his ass. He shot me with that weak ass bat. I know. I know. There's a lot of guys that shot me, but I know I didn't think he was one of them. Um, Andrew Jones. Ooh, I, oh man, that was, I, I, you know what? I'm going to tell you, I think I got him more than he got me. Uh, yeah. He got four homers on you, but that was like, that was, let's, let's step back. Eight hits overall, 45 at bats. You own oh, him. See ya. You're bad. Okay. Now. They all get me. Cause I like, cause I, I had that, you know what, you know what Chipper loved about me? Because he's from Jacksonville. Yeah. And what Chipper loved about me. And Chipper's hit quite a few off me, maybe maybe three or four. I, I left him off for that reason. Okay. That's okay. Okay. But here's the deal. You know why <laughs> Chipper loved me? Because I threw him heaters because I wasn't scared. He challenged him. I wasn't scared. Yep. I was like, who? Chipper, you're out. I said, hit it. See how far you can hit it. I, oh I, I, did, I had, I, had um, I don't know how to say this, but I had bigger uh, gonads. Cajones than yeah. I should have had, I would say, because yeah. I, I was I was that dude. I, I was that's that guy. That's how it's supposed like, to be. You are see, who you are. If you if you feel it, you got to have play. it, right? If you if you shoot me on my best day, then you deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. I love it. But All right. even the worst guys shot me on. Now, as a batter, if yeah. I say this name, Jamie Wright, what do what do you think? I definitely got a couple of hits off of him. Yeah, but like most importantly, your first knock was against him. Yes, it was. I, I definitely knew that, and we had the same agent as well. Oh, uh, what a beautiful human being! You liked him. <laughs> he was. He, he was his. He, he was so nice. That's the that, problem. That's why he gave up a hit to me. Yeah, that's but true. That's and true. I, he was so honestly, nice. It was like honestly, man. It was probably. It was probably a. Uh, it was definitely not a fastball. I don't think. Oh, I didn't have. I don't have pitches down on it. I wish I had pitches, but I definitely did. A, I did a lot. I definitely got a hit off him. Okay. Roy Halladay. Two for two. You're bad. Yeah. I mean, and you gotta. Way, you gotta know. I mean, like when when. By when the I'm, way, I talked to him the next day about that. Yeah. Because it we irked had him. Had the same. No, no. We had the same. Uh, we had Orangeburg, Brad Orangeburg. Yeah. Huge, but one of my best friends. And the same with he he's in the same book as Rod Nichols because they loved each other too. That's by the so way, good. And so Roy Halladay comes out there the next day. He's talking to Arnie, and he comes out there and he goes, "Dude, I saw you chasing breaking balls on your video." I'm like, "There's video of me chasing <laughs> breaking balls." 
Oh, I'm like, man. I'm sitting on breaking balls. Stop yeah. throwing me breaking balls. I literally, when I hit my whole career, I sat on a breaking ball. You know why? Because what did they tell pitchers? Take the first one. Then I throw two breaking balls. So I set pitchers up. I was smarter than most pitchers, <laughs> apparently, because I set them up. Because if, if they had a slider, I was out. Got to love if it. If they had a curveball, I slapped that stuff the other way, man. You better believe it. Brad That's Penny. What I did. Brad Penny had a filthy hook. Yep. He, he didn't slap that much. I didn't slap that thing, man. I'm 0 for 12, that, that six dude, punches. Dude, trust me. That was the nastiest curveball I ever faced in my life. Roy and I was on it. Two for two. Yeah. I remember that. He was with the Phillies. He couldn't get me out. I mean, let's be honest here. Doc and, and, and the Roys. Like, if your name was Roy, you But, but who did they play for at the time? The Phillies. Thank you. You know oh what, that, and that comes back to the situation, how I was a great hitter for the Phillies in the playoffs when I hit 800, <laughs> you know, and yeah. I went four for five. Yeah. So when the Phillies faced me, it was only good for me to go four for four with their best pitchers. I mean, let's be honest here. That's pretty and damn I mean, good. totally funny. That's I mean, pretty totally good. We got the same <laughs> amount of hits as I got off, off Roy Oswald. I mean, I got two, you got two. It's all good. Yeah, but see, I knew those guys. Like, they just thought <laughs> I was just some bull crap hitter, man. I was like, but listen, man, I, I, I took hacks in the cage getting ready for y'all now. God, I love it. <laughs> I love it. Well, hey, I appreciate you coming on this. More than love anything. You, buddy. This is hey, so good. This is awesome. Wait, call me anytime, man. Let's talk I, about Well, no, stuff. dude, this is, this, is, this is special stuff for me because, like, it matches up with everything that we're doing. And you know the Phillies are doing, especially events. And, Call me and just, anytime, man. I watch. I watch them every night. I really do. Well, I, I appreciate that, phone, dude. I put my kids there. You can call me anytime. I mean, that was insane. That was insane. I thank Brett Myers for coming on. Brett Myers Music. That's B R E T T M Y E R S Music dot com. Today you can pre-order it on iTunes. Or wait till June 7th. Either way, if you're a Phillies fan, if you're a baseball fan, support Brett Myers and his new profession, which is pretty awesome, pretty special. Someone that's passionate about that, so I got to love it. So anyway, this is Pine Tar for breakfast. And I appreciate you listening to tonight or today's episode. And uh, yeah, have a great Memorial Day, everyone. Peace. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. 
Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.